This is the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast, session number 225, Cultivating Artistry, Gratitude, and Resilience with Katie Tate. Five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast. My name is Annette Bone, and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world after a 20 plus year hiatus. The lessons I've learned, the transformation I've experienced, and the wonderful creatives I've met along the way who share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. I've been waiting to share this episode for a while, and I'm so excited I finally can. My special guest today is the amazing Katie Tate. She is a true powerhouse in the world of entertainment. What makes this interview even more special is that it was recorded just after her win at the World Choreography Awards. She is truly a multifaceted talent. She wears many hats as a director, a choreographer, a producer, and a master teacher. Her impressive resume includes an array of remarkable projects. She's served as the associate director for Jennifer Lopez's It's My Party Tour. She was the producer for Holidays with the Huffs featuring Derek and Julianne Huff. She also co-directed the World of Dance live tour and worked as the supervising choreographer for season four of World of Dance. Katie's creative expertise extends to high-profile events like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, Disney's Holiday Celebration, and Jennifer Lopez's MTV Video Vanguard performance, among many others. Notably, she served as the associate director for the Super Bowl halftime show in 2020. And for seven years, she played a vital role as dance master at the Beatles' Love by Cirque du Soleil, and she's also made her mark on productions like Mystere, Zumanity, O, and Lanuba. One of Katie's most significant personal achievements is the creation of her speaking series, Human Movement. This series focuses on the growth of emotional intelligence and mental toughness in the next generation of industry professionals and in life in general. What's exciting now is that Katie is currently hard at work on the opening show for the F1 race coming to Las Vegas in a few weeks, and she'll be returning to the podcast in a future episode to tell us more about this exciting project. So stay tuned, and we will dive into this conversation filled with insights from a true industry leader, Katie Tate. Thank you so much for joining me. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. I had the pleasure of meeting Katie at the World Choreography Awards in Los Angeles this past year. My first time there. I actually didn't really know much about it, quite frankly. No, this it time was my first dance. time attending as well. Yeah. Oh, was it really in all the work that it you've was. done? Was, oh my gosh. And you won your first time week. and you won an award. I'm, I know. It was crazy. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> so it, it was interesting because as press, they told us, okay, you got to keep the line moving keep it really, really, really short. And, and, you know, I wanted because it was my first time there, I didn't know really how, you know, the protocol was if they were going to be really strict about it. And then afterwards, I thought, Oh, my gosh, I wish I would have talked to her longer. <laughs> so hence, you know, we're having this I know. conversation. I'm so happy this worked out because I felt that same energy from you. You had such beautiful questions. And, and it I wanted to be able to dive into more conversation with you. So we get to oh, do that now. Oh, thank so. you so much. I'm really excited to to ask you a couple of these things, a lot of these things. Actually, yeah. this is the kind of stuff I can talk about like all the time. I'm sure you feel the same way with <laughs> yeah. the work yeah. that you do, like being in that creative process and diving into, 
you know, what, what makes, you know, what makes things work artistically and what can you change up or even dive deeper into? Like I'm coming back to dance. I realized how magical process can be like not having to rush through things. Now I understand in the commercial world, you have a time frame and you have an end product that you have to get out. I get that. But just even within that, just being in the process of creation, I think is just, it's one of the most fulfilling things like it's so I never realized like like how much joy I would get out of not knowing necessarily exactly what a b and c are going to be until you're actually doing the a b and c thing you know <laughs> you know what I mean so yeah, completely. I wanted to find out from you in your gosh your extensive career and you guys oh my gosh I you have to check out all her stuff because she her career is just remarkable and she is one of the most kindest most beautiful people i've met like i i just felt her energy so and her, her presence and just right when she walked in she lit up the room first of all she's she was she's beautiful in person she's more beautiful in person than she is on her videos and she was just so, so kind, kind and accommodating to everybody and and then i you know i started to research her and i'm like oh my god <laughs> she is impressive <laughs> So I'm like, I have to, I have to talk to her. So I'm, I'm so like fangirling, geeking out right now, but. Wow. You're, you're so kind. This is so wonderful. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm just speaking the truth. But again, I'll, I'll link all of her information in the show notes. And we were just talking about the world choreography awards and you, your first time there um, winning an award for your incredible work. Um, do you find that you prefer one medium over another when you're creating, because you've worked on world tours, you've worked on, Oh my gosh, like you've worked on everything, like film, TV, stage, the Macy's Thanksgiving parade, Disney stuff, like you've done everything. What is your is do you have a favorite? What would you say about working in all these different mediums as a creator, as a dancer, as a choreographer, as an educator? Yeah. Well, I I'm going to quickly go back to something that we were talking about prior to starting recording is with with dance and you had just mentioned also your return to it. When we start into dance, it's so based on an innocence that sometimes we can lose as we enter the industry that's very monetized and structured. And we start to doubt ourselves and become imposters in our own successes. And uh, we question everything that we do. And sometimes we can resent the dance, the thing that drew us to it in the first place. And so, um, it's it's a, a beautiful thing when you can return back with a totally different perspective and find that innocence again and the joy of creation again. Because sometimes on the journey of navigating through this industry, you can lose that joy. And I think we all go through our phases of that. And I, prior to the pandemic, we were working so very much and so blessed to be able to do so, of course, but I was feeling a little burnt. And um, I was ready to take a month off and I was proclaiming it loudly. And it's so funny how you think you have the master plan and you absolutely do not because then the world shut down for a year and more. And it certainly gave me, I think, maybe similarly to what you've experienced in your return of some time to just, as it did for most, perspective shift and a reflection on why we're there in the first place, what drew it to us initially, that intuition that we spoke on earlier. I really had to kind of reassess why am I here? 
And uh, through that process, it drew me to just want to tell a story without any parameters or timeline, which was why I ended up at World Choreography Awards with If the World Was Ending. That was just a personal story of mine that I put down on paper as to this is how I would like to see it come together visually. And then I reached out to my friends at the space, Corey Miller. And when I showed him the visual, he was like, absolutely. And he's like, he built a wall in the middle of the studio and just really got behind it. And when you ask about what my favorite medium is, I don't know if there necessarily is one for me. It's more so the people I'm surrounded by in the if the circum it's just the circumstances surrounding because I've done tours that were some of my favorites that it's my party tour with Jennifer was a really special time. The people that were a part of that project. Um, of course we were faced with a million challenges as you always are, but that was, um, that was a really beautiful time. I think I am, I do gravitate more to live performance than I do television, but I'm doing more and more television and starting to really get closer and more familiar with those families that I work with. And the more that happens, the more comfortable I become. So I don't want to say that that isn't my favorite yet, because who's to say? Um, But I think the through line really is just who I'm surrounded by, who's helping me through the process, who is giving me that motivation, who my muses are. You know, um, we're lucky to get to do it in whatever medium we're presented. So did you feel that the way that you work with people in these various collaborations and, and, you know, with the mix of personalities and ideas and there's so many moving parts and your parents were in the entertainment industry. Am I correct? Yeah, they were. Do you think that that helped you with the way that you work as, you know, through your career, um, do you feel like you've learned just by being in all the different scenarios that you've worked with? What has helped you the most in navigating these relationships and being um, communicative and making sure that everything is going toward, you know, the end goal? How, what What's helped you the most with that? Um, I have to give it up to the people I've been surrounded by, my mentors and teachers and my family. It starts there. I've been very fortunate. I did come up in a family of entertainers and they showed me the support, but they also showed me the realism behind it. They didn't want me to come in with some false ideas as to what it would be like or how easy it may be for me. Um, And so I was prepared in that sense. And then I just always led with learning, whether it be from the environments I'm placed in or the people that I'm around, uh, there's so much to take in. And I have always tried to lead with a certain humility. Um, But I'm also trying to temper that a little bit because we're in a place, Los Angeles, that is very much based on title and what you're working on. And that creates your identity. And And I don't ever want to be someone who leads with, this is what I've done. This is what I do. And I don't want to be that person. So I want to have a certain humility about me, but I also don't want to, um, to like minimize myself at the same time. I'm trying to learn to just be all of who I am without being boastful. And it's, it's an interesting fine line in that, but I, I have been surrounded by people who really do that well. And, um, I am 
baffled at times when I just take a moment to look at the many facets of my life, whether it be in the dance convention circuit or in the television world or in the theater world or in my friend groups or my family of the quality people that I'm surrounded by because they have made me who I am and continue to help me in my evolution. So yeah, I give it up to them. It's all them. I liked how you brought that up because I was watching your part of your video with, I think his name, if I got it correct, Dominic Kelly for your human. Yeah. And I Mm -hmm. loved how you were both going back and forth about how dancers need to know that you come into a situation thinking like, okay, I'm going to be told what I'm going to do this, you know, this is the choreography and, and being, but then also that balance of showing up and owning who you are but not in yeah. an arrogant kind of way. Like you said, it right. that, you know, and that a lot of that stuff is not taught because like you said, like when you come to LA, it, it is about, Oh, I've done this or I'm affiliated with this person, you know, like, and I, for me, yeah. quite frankly, that really bothered me because I couldn't say that about myself because I didn't have that. And so I thought, okay, I don't have that. I can't say that. That must mean that I'm not supposed to do it. When really, it's really not, I mean, that it's a serendipity if you get to work in certain capacities, right? But that's not the end all be all. So, which is why I think it's so important that you're addressing the kind of things that you are with these dancers that are, you know, are in this already. I wish I had someone like you and your company when I was going through all this. Oh my gosh, I would have, I wouldn't have doubted myself so much, but obviously, you know, hindsight is, say, Yeah, it's kind of you to say, it's, it's a very it's a challenging route to take. We are usually sensitive, empathetic creatures that enter into dance and we are very affected by external views. And um, when I was young and dancing and performing, I allowed those things to affect me in negative ways that now I have tried to be able to give back my advice or my experience to younger generations to allow them to live in their, their own identity or discover what that is outside of what they do, because I'm still in that process. It's so heavily conditioned within within me that my whole life, what I did and who I was, was one and the same. And we have to separate that and be able to step into whether, I mean, you're coming in for a job. If you're hired as a dancer, you're coming in because you're a quality dancer and they want you to be in the room, but they, they also want to feel your personality and, and your being and your engagement so that we can mold that. Like Dom, I remember in that interview specifically, he's like, we don't choreograph air. We need an essence. We need a presence from you. And um, it's always, it, it's always tempered or colored because you don't want to come in and just like take over, but you want to be present and, and therefore, the choreographer to, to move and work with. So you have to find the ability to like, to, to mold who you are off of what is true to you and not what is external, which is very difficult when you're 17, 18 years old, you know? So I, I hope that I can at least give that, that now to the ones that are coming up, uh, just to have a little more perspective. And I have to say that this younger generation has such a better head on their shoulders than, than I did at that time. They have such deep thoughts, um, such uh, 
more mature perspective than I ever did at their age. And so I'm, I'm very encouraged to see what comes from that. I find that very encouraging as well and fascinating because I was about to ask you, what is it in uh, when you do these um, sessions, what are they resonating with? If they're already mm-hmm. coming in, it, you're finding that they're, you know, they have these deeper thoughts and more maturity than, than you remember having at that age. What kind of things are they resonating with and what kind of things are you finding that they're, they're still struggling with? Well, we're definitely in a different generation where there is a lot more in their face than we ever had to see. We were in kind of a a naive, a blissful, naive place that I I wish that for them in many ways. Uh, I don't think that at in a young teen life, you should have to experience many of the things that we've been facing, but it has given them a certain resilience, a certain wherewithal, fortitude, and they are able to come in and amongst our chaos and (laughs) destruction that we've kind of created within our generations, they're going to be the ones to come in and fix it and, and be able to have that outside perspective to say, Oh, I see where this went wrong. Let's try to mend those fences because I will, like you were saying, I have these sessions on human, which is the speaking series that I do on convention where we just sit down and engage in conversation. I'm by no means giving answers because I don't really believe in right or wrong. I think it's you coming to just evolve and grow in your thought processes and engage in conversation that's critical and open-minded. And when we have these discussions, I am like, I never thought about it like that. And again, I'm not there to teach them. They are just as much there to teach me. We're all in this together. And I, I think we all in general, us as a society needs to allow ourselves to be open to everyone's perspective without judgment, because we are very much in a divisive time where it's either this or that, and there's nothing in between. But I think we all know if we take a step back that there's so much gray, there's so much nuance. And if we just allow ourselves to maybe hear someone out, not necessarily agree with their point of view. And I think that the next generation coming up has more of that ability because they've witnessed our stumbling through it. You know, do you have students come seek you out after for even more mentorship or coaching? You know, do and do do you know their backgrounds coming in? Are all of them like how you had the support and you had the encouragement and you know you had things, you know, support you as you were going along through your training and your career? Do these? Do you find that that's the same with these students that you're teaching as well, or um, are you finding that some of them like may have a broken family or broken, you know, something broken in their life that they want more mentorship and coaching? Unfortunately, I don't know their backgrounds coming in. Uh, Usually it's in a very large setting. And I do have many of them reach out afterward. And I'm so grateful for that. And I am in those cases able to learn a little bit more about their backgrounds. And again, taking it back to the resilience, the types of things that these children, these teenagers have worked through to get to the place that they are and have the amount of perspective and maturity that they do without being bitter or shut down. They're still open, which is so admirable. And and I think maybe sometimes it's best if we don't necessarily know each other's backgrounds and where we come from, because we're not really placing any judgment or putting somebody in a box. We're just all there as human beings having a conversation. And then Afterward, if we want to get a little more involved one-on-one, then we can ask a different kind of question because, of course, you want to be very careful that you're not triggering anything from what someone's past 
may bring up. So it's been very eye-opening, very beneficial to me as I hope it has been beneficial to the, the kids that have been in those sessions. And again, those relationships continue on. They usually reach out to me via Instagram or through email and, and it's, it's really beautiful. Do you have any contact with um, the parents? Do they say, oh, my, you know, my daughter or my son got mm-hmm. to work with you and mm-hmm. how much it has impacted them? Do you get that kind of feedback as well from the parents? I do. And it's the most gratifying thing ever. And I always will share those stories with my mom. And I think for her, it's a very full circle situation, just being able to kind of witness, because I know that she had to go through a lot of those same struggles, allowing her child to enter into an industry where she knew it was tough. And she knew that I was a sensitive soul and who knew what was going to come of that. And so being able to see that kind of evolution within me and then my ability to go and, and share with that next generation of kids and how the parents are appreciative of it. And I'm just so appreciative of the parents and the sacrifices that they have to make to have those kids in the room, because I know how much it was for my parents. So I usually will remind the kids in those sessions, like when you leave here, just take a moment to reflect on everything that your parents or your garden guardians, whoever they may be, the sacrifices they've made to allow you this opportunity to be in this room at the moment and maybe take a a second just to go and and tell them thank you or share your gratitude for that because it's, it's, it's so much to it's, it's an expensive trade. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of transportation. It's a lot of sending your kid away and not being with them because you want them to have the best training. It's, it's tough from the parent's side. In doing all this, you you have um, data to look at of what you know what resonates with these students, what doesn't, what you know where you're finding you know the sticky points and that kind of thing. Is there anything you would change, or have you already changed in um, your future sessions or or going forward? Are you thinking, okay, I need to do this a little bit differently, or I think I'm going to do more of this because that's what they resonate with? Um, or have you made any of those kind of adjustments yet? Yeah, I mean. Of course, as our society changes, there are certain things that you want to be a little more aware of and a little more sensitive to in a general sense, because again, I'm, I'm speaking in large groups and I don't necessarily know backgrounds. I don't know how someone identifies. And so I just want to be very cautious and, and sensitive to anyone's background. I find that uh, social media tends to be a area in which there's a lot of resonance and a lot of want for conversation about because they understand the importance of it, but they also understand the toxicity of it. And I have very strong views about it. We're in a time where there's a lot of eruption amongst the dance community about what can come from it. So that has been an area that I'm still trying to navigate and I'm still kind of ebbing and flowing with a little bit because that's so very much connected to the unfortunate instances that are, that are popping up within the dance convention community. And um, so I'm still, like I said, I'm still navigating that one. I don't know if I know exactly the right direction, but many times the kids will lead me again. I'm not necessarily, I say, who is the teacher in this room? And usually they point to me first and I say, no, that's, that's not true. Every single person in this room is a teacher. So you're going to help me in discerning which direction we take this conversation. It is up to all of our own comfort level. 
Was there a defining moment where you thought, okay, I want to do this. I want to create this series to help these kids or was it was it kind of an evolving idea as you've been going through the different experiences that you've went through like was it just it was a something light- i've thought about for a very long time i went mm. to school for psychology and i am a sensitive dancer myself and like i said i entered into some negative sides of the industry and struggled with eating disorders and control issues and things that i if i could do anything to assist in a a young dancer not taking that same route, I wanted to do that. And so it just was something that was always in me of wanting to do. And I would write down on paper little things every once in a while, like, oh, maybe this, maybe that. And it wasn't until I got on one specific convention circuit that really allowed the opportunity to try it. And my first one, I remember being so nervous because I just didn't know what the response would be. And it was just so gratifying and fulfilling. And I mean, I definitely infuse a lot of these types of conversations into my regular dance classes as well, but you don't have enough time to really get the meat of it. So this was the opportunity just to extrapolate everything from the dance classes and then fill it up with everything that we had missed for time. And it was, I got such a beautiful response and so many parents and kids coming up after and the response from the convention, they had like a suggestion box at the registration area. And they said that they had gotten such an overwhelming amount of feedback about human. And I was just like, wow, okay, this must mean that we're doing the right thing. You know, we're in the right place. So yeah, I unfortunately haven't because I mean, fortunately work has been so busy lately with with commercial things that I haven't had as much opportunity to do human sessions lately, but I'm looking forward to getting back to it. During COVID time, did you ever do them online or just part of the convention when you're in person? I started in my venture to learn more about technology because I'm not a very technologically savvy girl. I started a YouTube channel and I put, I started to put together a breakdown of what human stands for. And because uh, yes, uh, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's so silly. And I wanted it to be casual. And, and I was trying to figure out, okay, how do we engage in conversation in this way? Because usually I'm in a room and we can bounce off one another. And like I said, we're guiding and directing the conversation based off of what the feeling is in the room. And here I don't have that. So I was still think tanking it and figuring it out. And I only got through to, I think, you <laughs> understanding your instrument and uh, my conversation with Dom and, and then life kind of picked back up again. And so I was able to do a couple more on the road. And um, now it's just been a whole lot of commercial work. So we'll get back to it soon. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was cracking up because I love the, the little cut. I thought the editing was, did you do all the editing? With did, the, and yeah. all the, oh my gosh it's funny because i'm like she doesn't think she knows tech and she's added all these cool <laughs> little things to it well i you was know, trying like, to teach myself it was such a great way again like i said i always try to go in the direction of learning and i knew that that was an area of lack of expertise for me so okay i'm gonna use this as a chance to really learn about it and i was able to do my own reel and edit all of that during covid and so i figured if i if i didn't step out of covid that time off and have a new skill, then I wasted my time. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. So. I just, I, and so funny, like when you were talking to Alexa and then the, the episode, oh, you were talking to Alexa and then like the game show. <laughs> and then you were, you were, I just loved how transparent you were. It was so funny. It was so engaging. Like I watched, I was watching going, Oh, I hope she does more of these because these are really, oh, they're really good. <laughs> so you're so yeah, sweet. Then, like, oh my gosh. You were like, I'm just, it was so funny because. I loved it. And you were like, oh, I wonder, you know, this guy, maybe some guy will see this, you know, the single I lady mean, and her. You, know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put it out there, right? Yeah, yeah. I loved mm-hmm. it. I Yeah, I look forward to when you continue. I know I'm not the only one to you continuing because it's, you know, it's really relevant. And it'll well, just add you. to the conversation that, you know, you're, con- yeah. you're, you know, continuing with human. And I think it's so, yeah. so necessary. So if, if, if I did have you as a coach back when I, re- oh gosh, mm-hmm. I, st- I was thinking about this cause I knew I'd be talking to you. So I sat down back in college, I sat down with one of my ballet teachers and I was just mm-hmm. distraught because I'm like, I'm trying so hard. I know that I don't have the training. You know, I didn't start when I was three. I didn't have mm-hmm. all the stuff that my classmates have. I'm coming in like completely the underdog, but I'm, I want to work. I am working. I'm here. I don't know what to do. I mean, like, what am I? you know, I don't, you know, I don't look like certain people, you know, it was all the exterior stuff. Right. Yeah. And you know, he's, he's very nice and kind. He was one of my favorite teachers. He really didn't know how to, to acknowledge that, but this is what he said to me. Still, I still can picture it underneath the shade of the trees on the bench at UC Irvine in California, you know? And he's like, you know, Annette, he goes, you're just so sensitive. He goes, you just, you want people to say, Oh, Annette, come here and be with us. And, and you want people to treat you like, you know, nice and stuff. He goes, it's not like that. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of like, okay, okay, I understand that. But I'm, you know, being really sensitive, I, I thought, okay, I, I need to work on my, I don't know, my resiliency, I guess, I, more. And, and I just need to be, I need to toughen up, which, you know, there is a truth to that anyway in life. How would you, with the work that you do with human and just in your experience, how would you have responded if that, you know, if I went to you instead of him at that time? Well, I think we're fortunate now that we're in an industry that has allowed for a lot more space. Uh, There was a period in which everyone looked exactly the same and you had to be a certain weight, you had to be a certain height. And now there's a lot more flexibility and so very grateful to that. I always, one of my favorite choreographers is Bob Fosse. And when he was a performer, he was not on paper, what everybody considered to be what you would want as a dancer. And he really leaned into, he was very turned in and he didn't have the turnout that a dancer should have, but he used that to his advantage. And much of his movement came from that, what was an imperfection. And I focus very much in my series about capitalizing on what you can capitalize on your strengths, but you'll find when you really define what those are, your, what you consider your weaknesses or the things that are holding you back are usually what make you unique. And your ability to capitalize on that is going to set you free. And he is a perfect example of that. And I used my height my height for the longest, I'm six one. And when I was performing, it was in the early 2000s, the time of pop stars, and you're going to be a backup dancer for a singer who's probably five foot two or five foot four. And, and so that just wasn't realistic for me. And I 
thought my height was what was holding me back. And until I was able to view it from a different point of view of like, okay, I'm going to completely maximize this height of mine and live completely within it and dance like I am six one. that someone then came forward and offered me a featured solo contract because I looked like that and danced like that and wasn't trying to be like everybody else, you know? So I think in uh, you going to your professor and saying, you know, I don't have all the things that are what everyone wants as a dancer, just being able to look at yourself and say, okay, well, what are the things that make me different or that make it so that I can't be this? Okay, well, those things are actually what I'm going to focus on most and elevate the most. And that might allow me to pull toward what's actually meant for me. Because just in life in general, many times we think we know what we're destined for and we think we know what it is we want, which is why I try to shift people from a goal-based mentality to more just an intention-based mentality. Because so often we focus and we chase and we're like, once I get there, then that's where happiness is. And then once you get there, you're like, oh, but it's there. And oh, but it's there. And it's just so exhausting. And so if we just focus on the things that we can control, all the cliche things, you know, I'm going to focus on building my, my character. So within that, today, I'm going to be more observant. Today, I'm going to be more joyful. Today, I'm going to just any of those qualities that you want to allow yourself to, to grow within. And then the things that are meant to come to you just magnetize to you. So it's very hard to do that until you have some years in perspective. Because when you're young, you just want to get everything and anything it takes to get there and anything anybody tells you to do. But it really just takes silencing all of that, taking in all the information and then going, okay, what fits with me and what doesn't? And I'm just going to do the best I can with what I have and what is meant for me is going to work. It seems simple, but it's really not. <laughs> oh I mean, my gosh, I'm that still- was so beautifully said. Oh, and oh, I'm so, well, I, I, even now I'm so encouraged by that, Katie, like I'm right? picturing myself now back then hearing that as if I heard that back then. And that's really oh, nice. such a blessing to me. So thank you so much. Oh, that was thank wonderful. You that. Thank you. Thank you. During these sessions, do you take them through any movement prompts at all? Or is it all just dialogue and discussion? Um, it's usually dialogue, but I, I do uh, some, sometimes with my young ones, I will do some movement because I find them to be less inhibited. And that's what's so interesting is a lot of times when I start, first started doing this, the convention owners would say, oh, you probably don't want to do it with the minis. But the minis are so receptive and have so, like, it's that phrase, out of the mouth of ba- mouths of babes. They have such unfiltered ideas and it allows us to see things so differently. And so I do some movement therapy with them because they're not afraid of it. Actually, funny enough, I was I just got back from Mexico day before yesterday. I was doing a show creation mm-hmm. uh, there and we had our premiere night and I was sitting next to the director and a little boy sat behind us as we were just kind of amongst the crowd as they came in as, as you want to be, you want to see what the feeling is. And there was a little boy behind us and it was so perfect because he just yell out anything that was on his mind the whole time. And we're like, and note, okay, and note, because they're <laughs> going to be the most honest reviewer, right? So, um, yeah, sometimes I'll do movement therapy. It's not necessarily based on the human series, but it definitely complements it. I do it based off of, um, 
practices I learned at Cirque was called Je, which is play. And it's the ability to kind of create environments through movement that aren't movement that we don't. Because when we tell a dancer to dance, they do steps. And we want to take them away from that and just allow movement to create an environment and a feeling instead of a five, six, seven, eight. So I love that you talked about that because when, sometimes when I think in, you know, when I, when this is actually even before, but now that I've talked to so many different people in the dance world that, um, and also being younger, I'm like, gosh, I always thought it was just about the five, six, seven, eight. I thought that was yeah. the most important thing. You know, I thought it was about, okay, well, you can emote this feeling and stuff, but you know, you pretend, but I didn't realize, you know, you can really access that from a deeper place, like a really oh deep, gosh. authentic place. And yes. that to me is like, it's such a, oh gosh, I have no, I don't have the proper way to, ex but you know, as a dancer, as an artist, you feel me, right? So. Oh, I completely do. And there really is no way to put it into words and there shouldn't be. And that's why, again, taking it back to Mexico, the beautiful part about dance is it's universal. And that was how we were able to communicate with one another. I don't speak Spanish fluently, very fragmented, but we were able to communicate with one another just through our movement alone. That's what's universal. And, and it's such a gift. And I'm so happy that you have regained that gift and come back to it again. I feel like I've, I think throughout our careers, we come back and rediscover it and we fall out of love and then we fall back in love. And it's, um, it's the first love of my life, you know? And same here. A, That's the way I yeah. just it too. Yeah. And it, 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 there's times and places for it because of course, if you're dancing for Radio City, if you're a rocket, it, it is about the five, six, seven, eight and the execution. And then once you get the execution down, then you can start to put some of that feeling back into it. I've never done rocket, so I don't want to speak to it, but you, you have to understand that there is a certain execution to it. But then there are the times where you can just let it be all about your soul and however it comes out of you is fine. It's not like it, you have to produce anything specific. So there's a lot of different ways in which you can utilize this art form. So I in love it. The, with the, with yes, with the <laughs> artists that you've worked with, the high profile celebrities and all these people, do you feel that they come from that place as well? I mean, they, oh, yeah. there's obviously the the show aspect that has to be produced and all that, which is, you know, fantastic as well. But do you, in working with them, do they have the same kind of mindset of the creative process that you do and, you know, digging deeper into what, you know, why are we doing this movement and why are we staging cer certain things this way? And can we take some time to, to create this from a really, you know, authentic place? Do you find that that's been your experience or has it just been about the production? No, I mean, I think it, it always depends on the individual. I've been fortunate to work with a lot of headliners that come from dance originally. Obviously, Jennifer Lopez comes from dance. Derek Huff, Julianne Huff, they come from dance. But even a lot of, of vocalists that I've worked with that don't necessarily come from the dance world have such an appreciation for that creative process. So it's, it's individual. and um, But I think any creative has a want to express something and it's it's not just about what you see on the page or what you see on the screen they they want to make you feel something and maybe we don't put as much focus on it in the television commercial pop fast world as we do in theater 
But now I'm really starting to question that because I wonder if that was just an idea I had because I was a theater person and then maybe a little snooty nosed <laughs> about it of like, but we take our time and it's about feeling and emotion and all the things, but we just, we produce it quicker in TV and it is about the feeling and emotion. It's just, we don't have the time for all of that stuff, but it, it does come from the same rooted place, you know? Mm. That, oh, that's, that's really encouraging to hear because for, for yeah. some time I'm like, I love, I love all the, you know, the, just all the cool, spectacular in your face things. But then I'm like, but I want something else. But I'm glad you said that because you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. There is like other stuff that goes behind the scenes that helps that, you know, that still can come from a really deep place. It's just the time. It's like you said, it just depends on the situation and the time factor. So I'm really glad that you said that. So with this, you know, with um, you referencing Bob Fosse, are there any other movement artists, choreographers, dancers that you would consider your favorites or people that you admire? Gosh, I have so many. Um, <laughs> my 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 tried and true Fosse's forever one and ranking forever one Balanchine. I was a big Horton fan as far as like styles and movement, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, in current day, I, one of my best friends actually, Cassandra Chavez, I'm such a huge fan of her movement and choreography. One of my own students, uh, who is growing into one of the most incredible artists, Macy Schwaim, I think she's gonna blow the lid off here soon. Robbie Blue, he's another one. But I'm also inspired in creative mindset ways by Nappy Tabs. They are my forever mentors and family. Brian Burke, who is another person that I've had the great pleasure of working with recently. The ways in which they think and create. Um, Sigiv Karpel, he's another one who is another up-and-comer that's going to take over the world. I always, like I said, I like to observe and learn as much as I can from all the people around me, whether it be a dancer or it be just a thinker or a musical artist, you know, I'm very inspired by Phineas. I think how he produces Billy's work and how he produces his own and the differences of that work and how he sees it visually. And, you know, there's inspiration in everything. And uh, that was a very long answer, but yeah, I, I, That's I try great. to pull inspiration from not just dancers, but, but thinkers, humans. Yes. Agreed. Is there a dance style even in all your training that you haven't tried, but you'd like to and why? I have dabbled in a great deal of it. I would probably, I actually didn't get to do a lot of ballroom. And that's something that I wish I would have done more. It wasn't as, I'm so great. I'm so happy to see it on being taught on convention now and much more in the forefront. My dance teacher growing up used to watch all the ballroom national competitions on television and use that to inspire her to do our our competition pieces. But we never really studied in ballroom. So that's probably something I'd like to do more of. Me too. I haven't done a lot of partner dancing and the very little I've done kind of like interspersed in different things. Like it's not enough to, but I realized that there's such a, you really have to trust your partner. (laughs) You really have to like let go, you know? Yeah. And I think it's a great, 
uh, practice in for your own therapy if you are a controlling person as I've had some of my mm-hmm. friends men that are like okay yeah I'll teach you and they're like you gotta let me leave like come on let go <laughs> be the passenger so I probably should go take some ballroom classes some salsa some something and yeah take a step back with your busy um, schedule now what is your movement practice like? What is your own personal movement practice? The things that you do for yourself that keep you grounded and also keep you up to date and just continually inspired in your own movement practice? Honestly, yoga is a huge part of it now. I've just reintegrated that into my life. It was a big part of my life for a while and I stepped away from it. I got into, again, I think movement practice is all encompassing, whether it be dance or just how your body moves in general. I was a big runner for a period. I've always been like a marathon, long distance situation. And then I had a back surgery and hip surgery and just didn't work much longer. So I've just gotten back into yoga and it's so beneficial for the mind, for the body. It also allows you to look at the form and see how that can inspire your movement. I love watching dancers movement. Instagram is a great (laughs) tool for that too. (laughs) You're able to see from all over the world ways people are moving and it's just such a great platform in that sense. I mean, you can really utilize it for the right things if, if you make the right choices in that way. So, I mean, I love watching different dance companies. I love uh, looking at different creative directors and, and seeing what their choices are and their inspirations and that inspires me. So, and I just love teaching. Teaching is what, keeps me inspired and makes me want to try new things and and new music as well so what kind of music do you like do you gravitate toward a certain type of music or i i kind of do i mean i'm always a lyrically based like i need to connect with the story Mm -hmm. of it um again huge phineas fan but i i find kind of like singer songwriter or a little bit of electronica feel sometimes but it really varies. I like to keep an eclectic mix because then that keeps me on my toes as to how I might create. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I find that I, I gravitate towards singer songwriter or ac- acoustic versions of songs just because it, it's kind of how my, my movement goes as well. Mm-hmm. If you were to describe a dance style that currently describes your mood at this moment, what dance style would that be and why? Wow, that's quite a question. I feel like my mood is changing as of late. Um, So I don't know. Actually, I think ballroom might be where my mood is. It's always been contemporary. And, you know, we're always on a journey of learning and I'm going through personal therapy myself and it's allowed me to look at things so differently. And I think it's important to do that kind of work on with yourself in order to give it back to, you know, if I'm going to go and have a speaking series with, with kids, I need to assure I'm doing the work on myself as well. And this has allowed me to start to look at things differently. And I think I'm just in a place of wanting to be more joyful and connected. And I think when I think joy and connectivity, I think of ballroom. And you definitely demonstrate that, like I said, when I first saw you and then just in that short, it's just amazing what you can get from a very short conversation, like just the energy yeah. and, the, and the presence. And I so appreciated that. And again, like, uh, like I said, I just, I'm like, 
I want to talk to her more, but I need to be respectful. And then, you know, thinking about, you know, that time, I'm like, she has so many cool things going on. I got to talk to her. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm so grateful that you reached out. And it's true. You really can. You can feel that so immediately. Intuition is a pretty incredible thing. Do you have any projects in the works that will be um, considered again for another award? Or um, what are you excited about that's going on right now? Well, I don't know if I can talk about that. Uh, I just had a call this morning for like, I'm still a little mind blown about it that will be happening this year. And it's one of those kind of pinch me things where you realize that the past couple of years and your experiences have really set you up for this moment. And I definitely have had calls in the past where there's been possibilities of things and I get, find myself getting nervous, like, oh, am I able to execute that? Am I everything that they want me to be? And, and I didn't have that feeling at all. And I think it has to do with a lot of the work that I've done on myself and continue to do. And also just a trust in the work that I have done over time. And um, so I'm very excited for that. Again, I can't speak on it, but that and I have... Well, I guess the other two I can't talk about either. I have, I have, I have three larger projects this this uh, throughout the end of this year that I'm I'm very excited for. So, but I'll also be doing a lot of teaching this summer, and I'll be at the space. I'll be at MSA camp. I'll be um, on the convention that I'm on Revive, and yeah. So I wish I could say more, but I can't really say. Oh it no, it's it's you. It's cool that you're keeping us in suspense. And then when you share it, when it's time to share, then I'll be happy to share it as well. So yeah, I'm yeah. excited. We'll Something to, to look forward in. to. <laughs> yes, yes, I would mm-hmm. love that. So yeah. I will go ahead and link all of Katie's wonderful information that you have to check out on, on the show notes. And uh, thank you so much, Katie, for your time and your Gosh, heart and your you. expertise. And it's been, it's just, uh, you know, I, I'm, it's such a blessing that I got to talk to you and, and just, you know, watching everything that you do and, and being so transparent on your videos. I thought, oh my gosh, this is great. She's so real. <laughs> you know, she's oh, so real well, about all this. You're so sweet and you have such generous questions and it, it shows that you come from such a authentic place as well. And of course, I just wanted to engage in more conversation. So I appreciate you reaching out. It's very, thank you so very much. Yeah, thank you. Remember, you are valuable, your dreams are important, and it's never too late to be great.